The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you again for another opportunity to come meet with you, to hear from you this morning. Um, Lord, we ask that, uh, that you would draw near to us as we draw near to you. We ask, Lord, for your understanding as we open your word. Um, we need your help. So, Lord, use this time. Speak clearly. Um, Lord, may there, may there not be anything that's distracting or anything that um, pulls any focus or attention away from your message this morning. Uh, so, Lord, we trust you. Uh, we're expectant this morning. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm glad to be with you here this morning. Today we're talking about take the risk. You know, our culture is all about safety and security. You know, I, I read recently that um, just a matter of years ago, Americans spent over $20 billion on home security. Just in a matter of a year, we spent $20 billion in home security. Now, I don't necessarily have a security system, or maybe I do, I don't know. Uh, but one of the things we use for our home security, we have a, a Great Dane. That usually works, all right? If you've ever heard a Great Dane bark, uh, that is a, uh, that'll make you question whether or not whatever's in my house is worth uh, meeting Jesus over. And so we have our Great Dane. And if you don't have a Great Dane, maybe you're allergic to dogs. I found this on Amazon. It's $80, and uh, it's a speaker that you put right on the inside of your door, and it has a laser sensor that you put on your porch, and when someone breaks that laser, the dog will bark, all right? So that, that little speaker will start broadcasting a bark. So if you're a type of person, you say, I travel too much, I can't have a dog, or you made a mistake, and instead of buying a Great Dane, you bought one of the little things, right? Uh, then you can get one of those, all right? Just $80, uh, uh, 10% commission to me and then $80. But anyway, we're all about security. We're also, we're all about safety. I mean, you think about the, 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 just the extremes we go to to keep our kids safe in the car. Like how about car seat technology and how it's constantly evolving. To put my kids in the car, it's like putting a puzzle box together, all right? Like they are just, they are in there, you know, and, and they, are, they aren't going anywhere. But think about how that used to be. Like I remember my, I think it was my mom telling me when she was brought home from the hospital, uh, they just set her on the dash, like, it's, which is incredible to think about. It. Like it was just, you know, did we get... All right, we got the magazines, uh, we, got our, all right, we got that Coke, uh, we got the baby. Uh, did we get everything? Okay, we got everything. Let's go, right? So just think about how far technology has come because we care about that. We care about security, we care about safety. And we spend a lot of money for both. And when you think about your house, uh, it's all about keeping your house safe. You think about your money, it's all about keeping your money safe. You think about your food. We always want our food labels to be accurate. We want to know that what we're eating is safe. We want safety and security, and we will pay for it. I mean, if you've ever been to Germantown, you've seen Whole Foods or the one over on Poplar. You go in there, it's all about this food is safe for you to eat, and we're going to charge you three times what we can, what we should for it because you are paying for safety. This is safe and clean and good, but try all we can. No amount of security on your house is going to keep a heart attack out. Try all you can. No amount of security features or safety features in your car is going to prevent that nail from puncturing your tire uh, on the interstate. Like, as try all we can, we have to recognize that safety and security aren't completely here here on earth with us right now. They're not complete here. We can't ever be truly safe. We can't ever be truly secure. Amen? 
All right, let's pray. Amen. Lord, thank you. No, I'm just kidding. All right, let's, uh, let's keep going. We're not going to end there. We know that all of life has its risks. We also know that being obedient to Jesus comes with risks. There's even risks in following Jesus in this life. Jesus said in Luke 21, 16, you'll be delivered, even, you'll be delivered up even by your parents, and some of you will be put to death. I mean, there's a risk to following Jesus. Jesus, that's just one of the times he outlines some sort of risk that we might take. How in the world can Jesus expect us to take such risks? Well, here's how. Because we have a good shepherd who will help us. You know, John 10, 11, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Our shepherd helps us with the risks. And you know, there's a passage of scripture that a lot of people in, the time, in a time of difficulty or in a time of peril, they go to this passage. It's one you're very familiar with. We're going to look at it um, a little bit today. Uh, it's Psalm 23, Psalm 23. And this, this passage helps us realize how the good shepherd helps us deal with the risks in following him. Look, at, it's Psalm 23. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. Psalm's right in the middle, all right? It's right in the middle of the Bible. Psalm 23, you can follow along on your smartphone. But look there in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. Jesus has removed the risk of being in need. Jesus has removed the risk of being in need. What does it say right there? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. We hate being in need. That doesn't go along with safety and security, does it? When you're in need, that's not a safe feeling. That's not a secure feeling. And when you think about when it starts snowing in Memphis, what do we do? We got to get bread, milk, right? We don't, we don't eat bread or drink milk any other time, but we got to have it right now because something's going to happen and you know you're going to need that bread. You're gonna, you know you're going to need that milk. I remember there was one time there was an, like an ice storm coming through or something and, um, and we had legitimately run out of bread and milk. Like, and that's, if my, my oldest, that's all he eats is bread. He'll only eat sandwiches. That's it. He, he lives on sandwiches. So it was like, well, we have to get that. And then we needed milk because the, the, the twins were babies. Like the babies had to have milk. And so, um, I felt like a complete idiot walking into Walmart, like right before the snow or whatever. And, uh, I'm not saying I didn't do things I regretted, uh, but I did come home with bread and milk. All right. Like I made it happen. And, and I mean, even anybody in here um, have a bug out bag? Do you guys know what a bug out bag is? So I, recently, like I found out what that was and I know people who have them. They have a bag. Oh, we got one over here. A backpack. A friend of mine, he said, yeah, I've got a bug out bag. And I was like, what in the world is that? And in the back of his car, he has a backpack for, for him and he has a backpack for his wife and for each of his children. And in that bag is like, Two weeks worth of clothes. Uh, it's got it's got like uh, toiletries. It's got he's got this um, like NASA food. You know what I mean? Like he's got all these MREs and all this other stuff. And and he's got all of that in his back. And I was like, why do you have that? And he said, you never know, man. And I was like, are you kidding me? You never know. Like that's why you went and did that, you crazy person. So he's got like he's got a bug out bag. And you know what? I thought he was just like by himself on that. There are plenty of people out there who have that. That's a real thing. People have bug out bags. That is just that kind of blows my mind. But what's the whole point of it? We don't want to be in need. I don't want to be caught in a place where I don't have what I need. And so people have those things with them. And you know, that's not a risk for us anymore. And that's your first point there that Jesus has removed the risk of being in need because the Lord is our shepherd. We have all that we need. 
And that means our physical needs. Absolutely, Jesus has promised our physical needs. But you know what it also means? It also means all of our other needs, all of our spiritual needs. We don't need another shepherd. We don't need another ideology to get us through our life. We don't need something else. We don't need some other ideas. We don't need some other belief system to help us. He's everything that we need spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally. He's it. We have no needs in the shepherd. And so Jesus has removed the risks of being in need. He's also removed the risk of being alone. You know, I was uh, watching a video of some lions hunting. Uh, on YouTube, and one of the things that they do is they jump out. When they jump out of the herd, how do the herds respond? I mean, how would you respond? If you're in your backyard, let's say you're just watering your bushes or whatever, and all of a sudden these lionesses jump out, how would you respond? You'd probably run, right? You'd scream, you'd scatter. Like, I think, I don't know. I might just lay down. I might just say, well, okay, well, Jesus, take the wheel. Here we go. Like, I'm just laying down like, yeah, I'm not getting away. I'm not getting away from the lion. So the herds, they usually run and they scatter. And you know what the lionesses do? They don't go run after all of them. They pick one. They try to find the slowest. They try to find the weakest. And they surround that one. They isolate that one. And that's scary. Being alone, that, isn't that the worst part of dealing with some sort of difficulty? Isn't that the scariest part? Is when you have to deal with it by yourself. That's a scary thing. I don't have all the answers. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through this. And that's probably one of the scariest risks is when I'm in a difficult place, I'm there by myself. What Jesus says or, or God reveals to us about the good shepherd in Psalm 23, 4, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Jesus promised I'll be with you always. And the enemy's always whispering in our ears in those difficult places, in those dark valleys, you're alone. You've been forgotten. You're abandoned. But what does this say? Even when I walk through the darkest valleys, the darkest valley of, of, of heartbreak, of, of illness, of, of financial crisis, of spiritual struggles, of just the darkest place in your life, even when I walk through the darkest of valleys, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. And Jesus says to us, I'll never leave you, ever. And, and there was no qualification there. I'll never leave you on the mountaintop. I'll never leave you in the good times. No, he says, I'll never leave you. That includes the darkest of valleys. So he's removed the risk of being alone. That Jesus has also removed the risk of death. Look at verse six, Psalm 23. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I'll live in the house of the Lord forever. We all in here have some sort of phobia. Everybody does. I don't care how how brave you are, or, or, or maybe that list is really short, but there is some phobia you might have. Let me see if I'm going to name your phobia. Uh, anybody have acrophobia, the fear of heights? Anybody? Anybody afraid of heights? Okay, that's okay. You're, you're with me. We're on the same team here. Claustrophobia, fear of enclosed spaces. Claustrophobia. Okay, good. We got some people in here. Uh, aerophobia, the fear of flying. Anybody afraid to fly? It's okay. You can put your hand up. It's okay. Angela, go ahead. Okay, all right. There we go. All right, what about uh, paganophobia? Anybody? Fear of beards? Anybody? No? Anybody afraid of beards? Oh, we got a couple? We got a couple? I'm not afraid. I just can't grow one. Um, dipnophobia. Anybody? Fear of dinner parties? Anybody at all afraid of dinner parties? No dipnophobia? Okay, all right. Uh, genuophobia. Let me see. I see a lot of pants out there. Maybe a lot of, you might have this. Fear of knees. Anybody? Anybody afraid of knees? That's why you wear pants? All right. Anybody? Okay. 
There's all kinds of different phobias. Why do we have these? Why are we afraid of heights? Why are we afraid of enclosed spaces? Why are we afraid of flying? Why? I don't want to die. I mean, that's it. Like, I don't want to die. You say, well, uh, Grant, you know, why don't you climb? We, we go to this uh, fall retreat every year with our students, and there's this, there's this telephone pole uh, that narrows as you get to the top, and it's called the leap of faith. They put a harness on you. You climb the telephone pole. You get to the top. You have to stand on it, and there's a trapeze out there. You have to jump from the pole and grab onto the trapeze. That is a whole bunch of nope. Like, absolutely not. And why don't I want to do that? I don't want to die. And you might say, well, they, they got the harness on. Like, all these other people have done it. Like, I'll risk, like, your children's lives, but I'm not doing it, all right? Like, absolutely not. That is crazy. I mean, the fear of, of closed spaces. I know, it, I know it seems irrational or whatever, but when you get in that tight space, what do you do? When you're in that elevator and you don't think it's going to open, you immediately go, this is my tomb now. Like this, I'm going to die in here. And we freak out, right? We're afraid of that. But the good shepherd, listen to this, has taken away the sting of death. And he's made death into a doorway to victory. He's changed death from this big, scary, horrible thing. This, this, really this thing used to separate us from the people that we love. And he's turned it into nothing but a doorway to victory, a doorway to him. I mean, look at Luke 12, 4. Jesus says, I tell you, my friends, don't fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. You know what Jesus says? He says, oh, don't be afraid of them. They can only kill you. I mean, that's, that's what Jesus says. Don't be afraid of them. They can only kill you. How in the world can he speak like that? He can speak like that because of something else he said. He said, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Jesus has, has flipped death on its ear for us. It is no longer the risk it used to be. It's no longer. It's no longer that horrible thing that separates us from love. Instead, it's the doorway that leads us to our greatest love. He's taken the risk away. He's taken the risk of death away. And that being said, are there still risks to following Jesus? After all this that he's done for us and all that we've seen in Psalm 23, are there still risks in being obedient to Jesus? Yes, absolutely. Jesus still said, some of you will be delivered unto death. Some of you, that's a risk, right? It also, in Matthew 19, he says, some of you, you'll leave family behind. You'll leave houses behind. You'll leave your lives behind. That's a risk, absolutely. It's a risk, but with the good shepherd, he's calling us to take those risks. Now, does that mean he's calling us to take all risks? Now that we have the good shepherd with us, now that we have these promises, does that mean that he's calling us to take all risks? We should be the, the biggest risk takers in the room. Does that, is that what he's saying? No. Like we shouldn't go out and say, God's calling us to take risks. No more helmets. Cut out your seatbelts. We're going to start a Christchurch skydiving ministry with a parachute optional, right? Like we are going to take all risks. No. So what is the risk God is calling us to take? We're going to be in Luke chapter 6. We're going to look at Luke chapter 6. It's going to give us our answer. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 31. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. So the risk God is calling us to is love. Love. That's the risk I want you to take. It's risky, but I want you to take it. Let's look at why it's risky. I mean, one, loving people is risky. 
Loving people is risky. Verse 27, it starts what? Love your enemies. Enemies. Those are people who are opposed to you, who are hostile towards you. Love them. And when I say enemies, you don't have to think very hard. I mean, that's not something that you're going to have to go, who in my life is an enemy? Oh, yeah, the guy at Panera Bread. Like, you don't have to think very hard, all right? Like, there is something that pops up in your mind because you know what that means. You know somebody who's opposed to you. You know somebody who's hateful towards you. And that's the first risk Jesus tells us. He says, the people who hate you, the people who curse you, the people who abuse you, love them. Be patient with them. Be kind to them. Be forgiving with them. Be considerate of them. Be generous to them. He's calling us to love them. And that's a risk. Because while you're loving them, what are they doing? Jesus said it. They're hating you, they're cursing you, and they're abusing you. And that could look like a lot of different things, but, but you know when someone's been hateful to you. You know when they have a harsh tone towards you, they're unforgiving, they assume the worst about you, they talk bad about you, they're inconsiderate, they're rude to you, they put their needs above yours. And what would be the least risky move And when someone's being hateful towards you? What's the least risky move? Eye for an eye is the least risky move. Shut them up. You know, put them in their place. That's the least risky move. Like, okay, you're going to be rude to me? Check this rudeness out. Okay, you're not going to be considerate of my needs? Don't worry. I'll take care of my needs. I'll put my needs above yours. That's the least risky. That's, that's a path towards getting what you want, right? But Jesus said, take the riskier route. Jesus said, do good to them and bless them and pray for them. So do you take that risk? To not retaliate or take things in your own hands, but instead choose goodness. Instead choose kind words. Instead choose to pray. And that's risky because, you know, this loving response, it's not like a guarantee to, to remedy what they're doing. It's not a guarantee to put an end to how they're treating you. It's not like someone's going to be rude to you and you're going to say, I love your hair. And they're going to go, oh, I'm, I've been so rude to you. I'm so sorry. BFFs? Like, that's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. You're much, like being rude back might get the result that you want quicker. Or, or even like taking revenge might put an end to it quicker. But that's the risk. Jesus said, no, 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 that's not risky. Be risky. Take the risk. Anybody yell at TV shows or yell at movies? Like you're seeing something happen and you can't stand it. You're just like, why are you doing that? There's this show on Netflix uh, called Stranger Things. Anybody seen it yet? Stranger Things? God bless you all. All right, so... My brother called me uh, last week and he said, you have to watch this show. I was like, I don't want to watch it. And he said, I'm telling you, watch this show. So Angela and I sat down. There's not a lot of movies and shows we watch together. Uh, We have different tastes. I like good things. Um, So anyway, we were... uh, we were watching, we watched Stranger Things. I'm just kidding. Uh, well, I'm not. She watches The Bachelor. So anyway, we, uh, we sat down and we decided to watch Stranger Things, and it was awesome. Like, it was one of those, like, Angela, Angela, it was like midnight, and she goes, one more? You, you want to watch one more? And I'm like, you know, like, the kids are going to wake up regardless. Like, when the sun comes up, the kids are up. And she's like, you don't worry about that. I'll worry about that. And so anyway, we watched that show in about three days. Um, we watched the whole thing, and it was, it's fantastic. But... There's this one episode where I thought one of the main characters was making a mistake, and I couldn't help it. I was just sitting there going, stop doing that. Stop it, you idiot. 
Like, stop it. I was like, oh, Angela, I can't even. I can't watch this right now. I can't believe it. Dude, just stop. Stop doing that. Go tell this person. Go do this thing. And I'm like yelling at it, right? Because I'm like, you can stop this. There's a better decision here to lead you to the, the result you want, all right? You're making a mistake. And then she's like, he's the idiot. You're the one yelling at the TV. All right, good point. But, you know, sometimes there are times where I, you know, maybe I'm reading in the scriptures. I want to do the exact same thing. When I read about Jesus being cursed or hated or abused, I want to yell at the Bible. You know, they strike him and they say, well, tell us who hit you. Why don't you prophesy? Tell him, Jesus, put, put an end to this. Like, stop them. Or they mock him on the cross. That's it. Call down a legion of angels. End this. Stop this. Shut them up. But that's not the way of love. Jesus chose the risk of restraint. And Jesus chose to love. What did he do for those who hated him and cursed him and abused him? He did good to them. He spoke kindly to them. He prayed for them. On the cross, he prayed for them and ultimately died for them. When we choose to love our enemies, we take a risk. But it's a risk our good shepherd's already taken, and it's a risk our good shepherd is calling us to. So is there good you need to do to somebody in your life who hates you? Is there a kind word you need to speak to somebody in your life who never has a kind word to speak to you? Is there a prayer you need to pray for someone who's mistreated you? Take the risk of restraint and respond with love. The second risk, generosity is risky. It's incredibly risky. Look at verse 29. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. People will take advantage of your kindness and compassion and hurt you. People will take advantage of your generosity and even steal and take from you. What's the world's response to having their kindness taken advantage of? What's the world response? What's the safe response? Let your heart grow cold. Be cynical towards people. Keep a distance from others. Now, I've been burned before. We're not doing that again. Push them away. But that's not risky. What's our, what's our risky response? What does Jesus say there in verse 30? Give to everyone who begs from you. He just said, people will take from you. You'll be taken advantage of. And then he says... Give to everyone who begs from you. So our response to having our kindness taken advantage of is to continue to be generous to the riskiest of people. Isn't that crazy? Our response to being taken advantage of is to continue to to be generous to the riskiest of people. Be generous with your compassion. Don't let it harden your heart. Take the risk and keep letting people get close to you even though sometimes it hurts. And what's our response to having our generosity taken advantage of? Look there in verse 30 again. And from one who takes away your goods, don't demand them back. What's he saying? Move on, keep being generous. Keep being generous. Don't be deterred by what they've done to you. Keep being generous. Does this mean like you shouldn't use the law to try to get back some of your stolen property or whatever? No, no, no. It's not speaking for or against that. I think what Jesus is saying here is, if we're going to err, always err on the side of losing. Always err on the side of losing. If we're going to err, always err on the side of loving too much and not loving too little. That should be the Christ follower's response to someone taking advantage of them. I'm not going to allow that to change my generosity. I'm not going to allow that to harden my heart and make me cynical. I'm going to continue to be generous. I'm going to continue to love the risky people. I'm going to continue to give. Err on the side of losing. There's a lady um, in our congregation who's done this for people. She, she literally has taken people into her home, strangers into her home. 
and she's provided for them. You know what they've done? Some of them have taken advantage of her kindness and they've hurt her. Some of them have taken advantage of her generosity and they've stolen from her. And you know what? She keeps helping people. And so I remember asking her, why do you keep taking the risk? And she pointed me to the, the parable of the goats and sheep where Jesus says, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Whatever you denied the least of these, you denied me too. And you know what she told me? She said, I'm not going to miss Jesus because I'm worrying about the devil. Did you get that? Did you catch that real quick? That's like such a, that's like, a, oh, well, that belongs on a bumper sticker. No, 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 listen to how deep that is. I'm not going to miss Jesus because I'm worried about the devil. I'm not going to miss an opportunity to be generous and to please my master because some people would do wrong to me. I know they're going to do wrong to me. Jesus told me they're going to do wrong to me. And you know what he told me? You know what he told me? Keep being generous. Trust me and keep being generous. Do we take the risk to continue to be radically generous with risky people? We should. We should. The third thing, humility is a risk. Look at verse 31. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. What does this mean? Well, I always instinctively take care of myself. I don't ever wake up and, um, and I'm hungry and I forget to feed myself. I don't wake up and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm uh, upset about something and I forget to complain. I will always complain. I don't forget my needs. I don't forget what I want. I don't forget my preferences. So this means we shouldn't forget others either. In fact, this means that we should always put the needs of others first. And that's risky. Do you know why? Because what if you put their needs first and they don't consider your needs? What if you put their needs first and there's no room for what you want alongside what they want? That's the risky part. And that's what love does. Love is always ready to put ourselves in the position to sacrifice. That's the humility of love is always ready to put itself in the position of sacrifice. At work, are we doing that work to, to be ready to make others successful, even if it costs us? At home, you should be ready to sacrifice your preferences. At church, you should be ready to sacrifice your comforts. With others, you should be ready to let go of your attitudes. We know this sacrifice. It's not foreign to us. We've seen this sacrifice in our culture. How many parents in here uh, of kids elementary age and younger? How many, how many parents in here have kids elementary Okay, let me ask you a question, parents. When was the last time you went to a movie that didn't have an animated something in it? Exactly. And there's some great movies out there, right? How many of you parents went and saw The Revenant in theaters? I didn't think so, right? What did you see in theaters? The Secret Life of Pets, right? That's what you saw. And, and so we make that sacrifice though. Why? Because my kids come first. That's humility. That's humility saying what you want is more important than what I want. And Jesus is calling us to that, to be humble enough to be ready to sacrifice like that for everybody. For everybody. He starts with what? Love your enemies. For everybody. To be humble like that. Sacrifice your comfort and apologize first. Sacrifice your time to serve someone else's goal. Are you taking the risk to be humble with everyone? Are you taking the risk to serve others at the cost of your own wants? Are you taking the risk of sacrifice? Love is humble. Love forgets itself because it knows the good shepherd hasn't forgotten. It reminds me of uh, a ship like wrecked off of the New England coast and this, this young coast guard 
this young Coast Guard recruited just said to his captain, we can't go out there because we'll never make it back. And the captain said, we can go out there. We don't have to make it back. What was he saying? We aren't important. They are important. That's humility. And that's a risk. That's a risk to say, you are important. And I'll put what I want out there and I will put it on the chopping block for you. And that's so important and that is so huge and that's love and that's how Jesus loved us. He put himself on the chopping block for us. That's the same humility he's calling us to do, to take that risk, to be humble with others. So there's obvious risks to love. No one can argue that. But the good shepherd is with you and he's providing for you and he's giving you eternal life. So let's embrace the risk and watch God do big, big things as we love people in a risky way. Look at why the risk is worth it. Look there in verse 32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Did you notice something real quick? Did you notice that there are, there's no risk to the way sinners love? You see that? Sinners love those who love them. Sinners do good to those who do good to them. Sinners lend to those who pay them back. The love that's outside of God, the worldly love, takes no risks. There's no risk to that love. And that love is not godly. That's what he's saying right here. Anybody can do that. But check this out, verse 35. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you'll be sons of the Most High. For he's kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. So love is worth the risk because one, we'll be greatly rewarded for our sacrifice. There's nothing that you could possibly give up that God won't reward you for. If you're gonna be faithful to him and take the risk to love and it costs you, there is nothing you can give up that God can't reward you for and that God won't reward you for. You will see it again. But I think an even bigger reason for us to take the risk is this. When we choose to take the risk of love, God uses us to reveal himself to the world. God chooses us to reveal himself to the, to the world. So yes, do we get rewarded? Absolutely we get rewarded. But we also get to be used to reveal God to others. Look there in verse 35 again. You'll be sons of the most high, for he's kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your father is merciful. God will use you to show himself to others. John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Just think about that for a second. The infinite, majestic, sovereign God of the universe will use your simple love, the simple risk that you took to love to reveal himself to other people. God will use you and your risk to love to bring dead people to life. I'm down. Sign me up, right? Isn't that where we are? That's what God will do for us. And I have an example I want to share with you. This is an example uh, I prayed a lot over, so I hope the Lord will bless it. I went to Chicago recently to see my brother um, who lives in Chicago. While I was there, the Bulls were in town. I've been to Chicago before. Uh, never have the Bulls been in town. Never have the Cubs been in town. And I asked him if we could go to the Bulls game. And instead, he said that he was going to go to a bar. There's a gay bar that he lives close to. Uh, they do a TV viewing party. And they watch the show together. And Drew hosts it. 
So during the, during the commercial breaks, they put him on camera, and he gives away prizes. He does trivia and things like that. So he said, would you go with me? So instead of going to the Bulls game, would you go with me to this gay bar? And I thought. And I prayed and asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to go. I brought you here for a reason. I want you to go. And I think I'm exactly right when I went, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Was that a safe move for me? No. So the friends that he has, to them, I'm the white whale. You know, when my brother comes here, he stands out, and he says he feels uncomfortable sometimes. Not talking about our church, but being in Memphis. You know, he says, I'm an obvious homosexual man, and the decisions that I make and the way that I live my life, I stick out like a sore thumb in Memphis. And so here he feels uncomfortable. When I go there, I'm that. I'm the southern preacher brother in that community. I'm the white whale. Do you get that, right? I stand out. And a lot of people in that community, they've been hurt by people who claim the name of Jesus. And so when they see me, they put me in that same category. My brother was on a podcast, an LGBTQ podcast, and all they wanted to do was talk about me. They kept asking questions. Once they found out who I was, they kept asking him questions. And the interviewers kept trying to turn it and try to make me look like a bigot. And my brother, by the grace of God, defended me, and he didn't allow that to happen. So I knew that I was going to walk into an environment that was unfamiliar to me, and I knew I was going to walk into an environment that could potentially be hostile. So no, it wasn't safe. Was I comfortable? No. I was nervous. Never been in a situation like that. I had no idea what I was walking into. So I went, and I stood next to a wall, and I did not move. Like, that was it. I just stood there. And people would come up to me, and Drew would introduce people to me, and I would have conversations. No longer than a minute, you know, nothing big. The manager came over to me and, and, and spoke to me for a minute. And we spoke for a little bit, and he left, and he came back, and uh, he gave me a T-shirt. And I said, great, I can wear this at church. And, uh, <laughs> and so we, we and I stayed, I stayed for the night, right? So the event ended, we left, we went, we got something to eat. Afterwards, my brother got a text message from the manager. And the manager said, I grew up in a church, and I grew up around people who called themselves Christians. And I've never felt more hated. He said, it's been a long time since somebody who, who claims to be a Christian loved me. And your brother showed up and he didn't preach at me. And he was kind to me. And he loved me. And he showed me that maybe, maybe there are people out there who can love God and love me too. Are you, are you, are you hearing that? Now listen, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I just stood there like an idiot. I just stood there. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I just stood there. And by God's grace, I was kind to people. And not only him, but there were other people who came up to my brother later with tears in their eyes. Did your brother really come here with you? Did your brother really love you enough, your preacher brother love you enough to come here with you tonight? So these people were in this place and they felt completely hated, completely alienated. And you know what God did? God took this stupid preacher from Memphis and stuck him on a wall. And you know what he did? Because he stuck him on a wall, he just broadcasted that whole place that God's love is available to you. You might feel hated. You might feel pushed off. But God just broadcasted. You aren't forgotten. I haven't forgotten you. I am the good shepherd and I lay my life down for the sheep and you're valuable to me and you aren't forgotten. And I didn't do anything. 
I'm no more special than you. I'm no more loving than you. I'm not smarter than you. I'm not more spiritual than you. I'm a fool. But God took me and by his grace made me kind. And then God changed some people's lives that night. God showed up in a place that you never would have guessed he would have been. But God showed up there that night. God can do crazy things when we take risks to love people. Crazy things. I mean, we saw that in the life of Jesus. He took crazy risks. He went to prostitutes and he ate with them. And he went to tax collectors and liars and sinners and he ate with them and he took risks. And God changed their lives. And God will always, always take the risks of the faithful and do great things. Hudson Taylor, the missionary to China, said, unless there's an element of risk in our exploits for God, there's no need for faith. And when we step out and we trust God and we take a risk to love, he will do great, great things. So trust God and let's take the risk. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for our time together. And I thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Lord, I'm the first to take it for granted. To just think, oh yeah, God loves me. Oh yeah, God cares about me. But God, I'm just reminded, even as we look at your word today, how ridiculous that is. How gracious that is. That you would look at me as I am. The fool the sinner, the failure that I am. And you would say, I love you. I lay my life down for you. God, thank you for your love for us. I am the first to be risk adverse. I'm the first to try to stay comfortable and safe. That's not the example you gave us, Jesus. You risk everything for us. God, may we do the same for others. May we risk everything. May we be like that Coast Guard captain. We must go. We don't have to come back. May we risk everything to bring your love to people. So God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you want to use us, these broken, imperfect people, to reveal yourself to others. Thank you. Help us be risky people. Help us be risk takers. Because though we walk through the darkest valley, Though we walk through the scariest place, though we walk on the riskiest ground, you are with us. And nothing will change that. May we take the risk. Help us, Lord. Help us. We want to love big. Help us. So we love you. We thank you for your love for us.
Just help us respond how we need to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to respond in song. I'll ask you to stand and sing. I'll be here. Brother John will be here. I don't know how you need to respond. Maybe you need to sing.